Live from the Pacific Northwest, it's Portland Story Theater's Urban Tellers. Real, true stories. May the narrative be with you. I'm not sure if I was born a storyteller, but I do remember my very first stories. And they were the stories to questions from four and five-year-olds. Where are your real parents? What's Guatemala like? And have you ever been back? At four years old, we duct taped an old vacuum cleaner, a plastic fan, and parts of a lawnmower together. And that was to be our pink flamingo, to fly me back to my home country to meet my parents and find out what Guatemala was really like. Now, of course, the duct tape airplane never took flight, but that never stopped me from describing to these kids, to myself even, what Guatemala was really like. From the insects to the flowers to the skies, I could tell them everything. But as I began to grow up and evolve as a human being, about 12 years old, I got tired of Guatemala just being an imaginary thing for me. At 12 years old, became maps on walls, pictures of National Geographics, and above all, other teachers looking at me in the eyes. You're Maya. You're Maya. Do you know what that means? And I didn't. So at 19 years old, at 15 years old, I knew what I had to do. University was out of the question. Anything else besides going back to Guatemala was the only thing I had to do. I reflected, I would imagine myself being 35 or even 45 and looking back at my life and looking at university and some piece of paper, but not knowing that I went to Guatemala as soon as I could. So, 19 years old, I was an adult. I could get the hell out of the house and I knew what the hell I was doing. And I knew everything. So I got that plane ticket, and I went alone. I didn't sign up to any tour or any bullshit like that. Got off the plane, and man, I became a Guatemalan firefly, a luciernaga, bouncing from flower to park bench to hostel to everywhere. I was on fire. I had a little harmonica in my backpack always, meeting new people, telling them my story, why I was here. I had a mission, and I was so bright. I was, I was that firefly, the Luciernaga. And I came with a mission. I needed to find my biological mother. That's the reason why I came to Guatemala, to connect, to find that woman that I was birthed of. And I had this speech planned out that I talked to myself from 15 years old all the way up to I got onto the soil of Guatemala. I knew what I was going to say to her. I learned her name, Maria, Maria Guadalupe Ramos. Maria, I was to tell her, I love you. I don't know why you gave me up for adoption, but I have a good life. I came from a good mother. I have a good family. I grew up with privilege. I have the opportunity to go to school. I don't have to be like these, these children, how they are. You gave this up for a reason. And I learned the history of Guatemala. I don't know if she could have been raped. I don't know if she could have, anything could have happened to my existence. 
but I wanted to let her know that I cared about her and I respected her decision and that I didn't have to have a relationship with her, but I wanted to let her know I loved her. Time went on and I was still on fire and I was still getting closer to each and every clue that I had on my little boards about where, I, where, where she was from, where I was from, but alas, I never found my mother. The closest thing I got was having the most intense dream ever. I remember sleeping, and I see her in this garden. She's behind these beautiful flowers, and we're almost playing hide-and-go-seek from each other. I'm so shy, it looks like she's shy. The thing is, though, I was, when I was born, she was 18 years old. Almost the exact same age I was, had going back to what I'm on. But having this close... Being this close to my mother, but not being able to talk to her or touch her made me really sad. As I said, I came down to Guatemala with a mission, man. I was going to find my, my biological mother, but I didn't. And I began to get really depressed about that. All of a sudden, I was in my home country. I was in my soil. I was that little cocao seed in the soil, ready to grow, but unfortunately, there was no fertilizer. There was no one to help care for my, for my seed, for myself. And some of my Spanish teachers, they would tell me, my only mission for you, Samuel, is to bring that firefly back into you, alive. It's to make you laugh. I don't know if you've ever heard me laugh, but I laugh all the damn time. But I shook up, I shook it out. I, I got away from that depression, and I realized where I was. I was in Guatemala. I was in the land of eternal spring. And I was in the soil. I was a coffee bean, an organic coffee bean, ready to grow out, ready to to inhale the sunsets, to devour the mangoes, to aprovechar la vida, to enjoy life, my life. And I had that opportunity. I was home. And I wasn't a tourist. I was around people who looked like me for the first time. I felt like I was home, and I allowed that into my heart. I allowed myself to enjoy the 23-year-old aged rum, Zacapa. I was in it. I allowed the flavors to dance in my tongue, the salsa on my tongue. But I realized I was way too high on, in the mountains and pyramids of Guatemala in the jungles. I was a white quetzal floating over what was left of those jungles. I had not called my mother in Portland, Oregon. My Portland, Oregon cedar mill mother. I had received emails from her, but I felt estranged. You know, like I was here in my world, and I, 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 but I knew I had to call her. Emails saying that she was going through a divorce, and things were going to change, and she was leaving the house that I had been raised in. And I finally made that call in some cafe with the international, and I hear it. I hear, Sam? Sam, is that you? And I take a step back in my own mind, because for me, I'm in Guatemala. I'm no longer Sam down there. I am Samuel, Samuelito. I'm a, almost a different person. She tells me that she's leaving my father and they're getting a divorce. And in my head, I'm thinking, what took you so long? And, I'm, and I don't know what to do. I'm happy for her. I'm really happy for her. She needed out of that. But at the same time, I knew my father. I took time to know him, and I respected him as a human being, not necessarily my father. But I called him, and his story was way different. She's leaving me. Jesus Christ, I don't know what's going on. She's, she's going to sell your stuff. We're going to have to sell your shit. My things at 19 years old, a drum set... My journals, my pictures, my drum set at the time meant so much to me. And I started putting myself in that world. I have to go home. You know, I have to go save myself, my who I am. And so I decided to, to get a secret, to go home secretly. I didn't tell my mother I was coming home and my father. 
I was, you know, I had scheduled, my scheduled flight was six months in advance further, you know, so I decided to change my flight. And I go to the airport, you know, and I have some troubles, but anyway, I get on that plane. I don't remember what happened exactly. I don't know if I got drunk on the flight back to the United States. I don't know if I fell asleep, because I really didn't want to be going home. But I remember getting off at the Portland airport and seeing that famous carpet that I called home. <laughs> Stepping off my backpack. Of course, I got searched. Why was I in Guatemala for so long, single? And as I said, I didn't tell anyone I was coming home. I didn't want signs with my name on it. I didn't want hugs. I didn't want anything. I just wanted to slowly seat back into my seat as if I never left. I get on the red line max, all the way back to Beaverton Transit Center. I get off, I catch the number 62, something I'd done for years, from high school all the way home. The number 62 took me all the way to Cornell and Salzman Road. And I got off, there's a 7-Eleven that used to be there. I had my backpack on, I began walking back to my house, to Kearney Street. I felt like I was in elementary school, even high school. I'm headed back home, and I get closer and closer, and finally I see my childhood, the door to my childhood, green. And I'm almost afraid to go inside. You know, I'm, I'm picturing what's inside, who's inside. They don't know I'm coming home. And the door opens, and there she is, Carol Willoughby, my Portland, Oregon mother, with her Pacific Ocean eyes that begin to swell with those salty tears. She screams, she's Sam, she's crying, but she didn't, ex and I can't even move yet. I'm in awe. There's this strange woman for a second. I don't recognize her. And she, she stands, she keeps crying, and, and I, I'm, I'm in shock. I, who is she? How did she find me? How did I end up here in Oregon, Cedar Mill? <laughs> and I drop my backpack, and I hug her. I embrace her. And in that moment, I knew exactly who she was. I knew exactly where I was. I was home. Even though I had left the ho my home that I had not had the opportunity yet to make my true home, I was home because I was home to a woman, a stranger, a saint, an angel that takes care of a human being that looks nothing like her and she cares for and loves unconditionally. <laughs>